1: Today is Saturday, February 13th, 2021, and this is Celtics Speed here on CLNS Media, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of your Boston Celtics. Episode 395, featuring Forbes, is Chris Grenham. It's powered by BetOnline.ag. Go to BetOnline.ag today. Use the promo code CLNS50 for a 50% bonus when you sign up. All right, welcome in everybody, Evan Valenti, solo here on this Saturday, Adam taking the week off, should be back next week, happy to be here with Forbes' as Chris Grenham, coming off a loss, the hand of Detroit Pistons last night, uh, on a Friday night after what was, you know, a, a tough road trip on the West Coast, Chris, they go 3-4 and four on the West Coast, plus these two games at home, I just kind of lumping them all together, because it's you know been kind of a an interesting road trip for the Celtics and I lump these two into the end because it kind of encompasses my first point I'm not wasting any time here we're gonna get right off uh, right right into this right away here 3 and 4 on the west coast are supposed to two games home against Toronto and Detroit and outside of the game against the Jazz you can make the argument the game against the Jazz is a little bit closer but you know the second half obviously the Jazz pull away Best team in the NBA record-wise, they definitely showed it on, in that game. But the one thing that I take away from this, Chris, this particular stretch of games, is this team has moments where they play extremely well. And you can go back to that Toronto game and find a bunch of clips uh, that where I was drooling all over the place with some certain things. We'll get into that a little bit later. Um, but there are times where this team just can't click can consistently for 48 minutes brad stevens spoke about that last night after the game against detroit how this team lacks consistency and that's what's really giving them a hard time in terms of taking that next step to being a really good team in the nba chris in your estimation what is the biggest reason for the celtics inconsistency this year
0: i mean if you're if you're looking at box scores across that stretch and really across the entire season um it, it comes down to three-point shooting and their depth seems to be pretty reliant on three-point shooting and that's not to say that's a bad thing because that's just kind of where the game is right now like that's a lot of depth you know a lot of cores across the league are relying on three-point shooting but for the Celtics it seems to be a little more drastic so you look at Toronto on Thursday the game against Toronto excuse me they shot 51 percent they made 23s right and last night it was not quite as nice it was yeah, no. ugly and then and then it makes the depth look terrible so it's a lot of reliant on three-point shooting and it's a lot of inconsistent ball movement so again going back to the Raptors game that's the far far positive end of the spectrum but the ball is whipping around they finish with let me look here 30 assists last night Friday night they had 15 assists so that's double the assist so you can tell that ball is moving away from Jalen Brown it's moving away from Jason Tatum. And that's when you get guys open. You get an NBA guy open. It doesn't matter if he's a starter or he's a bench player. There's a, there's a damn good chance he's going he's gonna to hit a shot if he's wide open. So it's a lack of that crisp ball movement, and they kind of just go stagnant. And it's hard because a lot of the possessions you're working with with this bench unit, mm. it's Tatum in the bench. And Tatum's style is to beat guys off the dribble, and when there's not a lot of ball movement, at least leading up to that, then it just – immediately goes to some ISO work and it's just kind of like Jason off to the side, working off the dribble and the four guys kind of looking at him with the occasional screener coming up. And so that is inherently bad just because it turns into stagnant possessions. And so that's why the trade discussion keeps coming up just because you need to grab that other wing threat, because when it's Tatum in the bench, which is the unit they always go with, and it's not necessarily a bad unit, But when they go with that unit, it can become pretty stagnant just because there's not a whole lot of movement away from the ball. And on the ball, there hasn't been too much movement either of late.
1: Yeah, and I I agree with you in that sense when you have Tatum and the rest of the guys. Yeah. You know, Tatum's this otherworldly player and we'll get into Tatum in just a little bit. Trust me, we got a lot to talk about in that particular you know department. But you have a lot of guys with similar skill sets and those skill sets are very, very small, right? Like if you want to have, and we'll get into more of these things, but like, let's say you had the lineup of, you know, Tatum and Kemba and Brown and, you know, we'll, we'll throw Shemmy out there cause he's been the starter lately and Daniel Tice. Well, you got three guys that can handle the ball pretty well and move the ball around and Kemba, Tatum and Brown. And then you have one stationary shooter really in Shemmy Ojale, And then you have Daniel Tice who does a lot of the dirty work, but he, he can spread the court out, right? Mm-hmm. you. That is a a unit that can really thrive because you have so many ball handlers, guys that can move the basketball. But when you have, you know, Jason Tatum, Carson Edwards, uh, we'll throw Shemmy back in there, Grant Williams and Tristan Thompson, it's just a lot of guys that have one particular skill set. I mean, I'm not trying to say they only have one, you know, Grant does a good job moving the ball around, but you know, he's not a guy that's going to create offense for himself. I mm-hmm. love the way Carson Edwards has been playing lately. And as a guy that has just, in I'm done with the Jeff Teague stuff. Like I'm just absolutely, I've had it. I'm done. <laughs> like to see Carson Edwards out there. I, I get, I get a little happy about it, but again, he's very, very limited skill set mm-hmm. right now. Still working out a few things, trying to get comfortable on the NBA floor. Right. So, you know, to your point, it's Brad Stevens, not giving Tatum enough to work with, but yet they don't have a lot to work with. Cause so I go back to the inconsistency stuff. This injury thing is getting outrageous. I mean, last night, no Robert Williams, Marcus Smart, we know is going to be out for a bit. You know, Jalen Brown apparently has knee tendinitis. that needs to be monitored the rest of the year. We mm-hmm. already know Kemba's having knee, you know, not, not having the issues, but his knees are being, you know, carefully monitored throughout the season. Pritchard's coming back from it. Like, it's hard to get a real grapple of this team because they just have so many injuries at key spots, right? You know, they don't have too many backup bigs they can kind of go to, right? They're very now limited in that capacity. You take out Marcus Smart and Kemba Walker in a game. Well, now your, your point guard rotation is all out of whack. Jeff Teague now has to play along with Carson. Like you you see what I'm getting at. So Mm -hmm. the injury bug, has it's not just injuries i'm not kind of trying to put it all in injuries but this injury bug prevents this team from getting any sort of rhythm and this doesn't even mention the fact we haven't even seen Romeo Langford yet so it's yeah. just you know at the end of the day you want to be able to you watch toronto and you're like oh my goodness this team you know this is this is amazing and then you get to to the detroit game and it just re, you know humbles you a little bit and reminds you that like okay this is this team is so much fu- Far, far away from a finished product and what the one thing they really need to work on is being you know holding each other accountable and being you know uh ready to step up when they know this injury thing is a serious problem
0: yeah i mean your point about the depth having you know relatively one dimensional skill sets is definitely well taken because there's there's certainly something to that you look at what brad stevens is working with right now and again like you said the injuries make this a, a hell of a lot more difficult than it it really was expected to be. You know, coming into the season, we knew that they were going to have a lack of wing depth and we knew that the bench could potentially be a problem. But the injuries to Marcus Smart, the injuries to Shmygoly last night, like they pile up and obviously Romeo Langford, like they pile up and there's a trickle down effect. It makes things difficult, right? Because you already don't have a lot of wings and say Shemmy does have to miss a game, say he doesn't play tomorrow against Washington or something like that. Like he's been playing very well. You're down another win. And then it forces more minutes for probably Jeff Teague or another, you know, score off the bench. And that's, that's a problem because you're bringing in these guards like Pritchard and Teague. Now Pritchard has been tremendous. He's been great. He's probably been the best player off the bench, but it is, that makes your defensive versatility so so brutal like it, it's there's really no way around it like when you're forced to play Teague and Pritchard a lot your defensive versatility is tough and it's clear that Aaron Neesmith can't be out there defensively because he's still trying to figure it out and that's fine because he is such a shortened training camp like barely any preseason no he he played a year and a half in college like it's it's not crazy to say like he sh- he's around where he should be like it's not really to expect him to be a plug-and-play guy was a little bit unfair but the one dimensional style of this bench is again, I keep coming back to it, but that's why the Celtics need to be active with this TPE because it's so limiting no matter what direction you go. And Grant Williams has been really good. And that's been a nice perk. And Shemmy Ogilvy has been really good and that's been a nice perk. And so has Peyton Pritchard, but outside of them there's a whole lot of nothing and it falls off really hard. And yeah, Carson had a nice stretch, but like, you can't rely on him defensively. You saw against Phoenix. Yeah. Brad rewards him with a start because he played well against the Clippers. He's just going to get bullied against guys like Devin Booker and stuff. So
1: yeah. Chris Paul it, versus Carson Edwards is yeah. right. It's <laughs> it, it's just it's not. It, yeah.
0: Like, like Devin Booker saw the, saw the matchup with Carson Edwards and went right at him immediately. Right. So that's just a tough matchup from the start. And right. it's hard because Carson is still trying to develop into his own pro style where he was coming out of college as this volume shooter, he's not going to be a volume shooter in a lineup with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and count. Like, that's just not the way this works. So there's a lot of adjustments that need to be made um, for a guy like him, but you can't make them overnight. Um, so it's hard to blame them, but I don't know, man. I mean, the, there's a lot of one dimensional skill sets on that bench. And I think more important than the scoring is the defensive versatility that it ultimately lacks. And that's, that's a real problem.
1: Was it rough for you watching Sadiq Bay go off last night? Because no, uh,
0: it wasn't I, rough at all, man. I was having the time of my life. I I tweeted that back to Corrales. I mean, I love watching Sadiq Bay play, yeah. and I I led that train for so long. To have him, one, he played very well in the first game of the back to back earlier yeah. in the season against yeah. the Celtics. So yeah. to have him go for a thirty last night was just life affirming. It was a it was tremendous. I know Celtics fans didn't like it, but. Man, I, I enjoyed it. I'm a fan I, of all things City Bet.
1: I didn't do it as hard as you did, but he got yeah. on my radar. Um, I mean, first off, I have a, a, a fiction for Nova guys only because, yeah. you know, I, I long for the days of the older Big East when, you know, rivalries really meant something in college basketball today. It's a little different. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I always have a soft spot for, like, the, the UConn guys, the Villanova oh, for sure. guys. Anybody who wants to bring St. John's back to the promised land, I'm totally down for. It. <laughs> yeah, right, you know, right. Seton Hall. I mean, I'm I'm down for all that stuff. And to watch the and I like and I'm a big Jay Wright fan. So I, I I'm pretty much anybody that comes out of Nova lately is just like a really smart player. Just seems like a guy who should draft. You know, I don't know how you know the Jalen Brunsons of the world. I and mean, you're gonna go back to all these guys. They all just seem to know how to play.
0: One hundred percent. You
1: look you look at Sadiq Bay and you're like, damn, like that having him. And I'm not trying to you know to pile on Neesmith, right? As you said, a year and a half of basketball. His shot is good. He needs to find rhythm. He needs to get practice because in the defensive end, he has no clue. And, and like you look at the end of the game against uh, Toronto uh, on Thursday night, and they go zone at the end of the game. He still has no clue where to be. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there like I'm like, man, this is just so this is so tough because he needs to play, but he can't play because. He just makes too many defensive mistakes, and if you're going to make that many defensive mistakes and you're not going to shoot well, you're not going to see the floor. But I do want to get back to the inconsistency thing because it does hover around a specific player, in my opinion, as well, and that's Kemba Walker, right? Kemba, as much as, you know, look, he's still finding his way a little bit as he didn't play organized basketball for a very, very long time. He's just coming back into the fray. He's starting to get his feet wet, but you see what happens when – He's not totally on for that game. I mean, you look at his past couple of games, he's had some good ones, but his shot has been off in a lot of games. And sometimes the misses, Chris, there were several again. What was he two for 14 or whatever against Phoenix on that road trip? Some of those misses were absolutely brutal. A buddy of mine texted me. He was like, You got to be kidding me on this Kemba number. And I said, Cause he hasn't mind, you know, his fantasy basketball team. <laughs> I said, Honestly they it even was worse than the number. Cause he's cl- I mean, he is clanking shots mm-hmm. off the backboard that, I mean, basically I would do it in an NBA game. So, you know, I, I don't want to pile it all on Kemba cause he's been, you know, he's been really good in certain spurts. He's been not so great in certain spurts, but if the shot's not falling and he's not getting to the free throw line, which he hasn't done a whole lot of this year, you know, they're in a little bit of trouble because they need, cause their defense isn't that great. Let's get it. Let's just get to that point they need all the offense they can get and if Kemba's not going to supply it for them then I'm not quite sure where else it comes from
0: yeah I mean the whole it's been said a million times but the whole thing with this team is you got to make life easier for Jalen Brown and for Jason Tatum and that starts with Kemba Walker being effective on the offensive side of the ball you got to pull attention away from Tatum and away from Brown and he did that against Toronto I mean he was in 30 minutes he had 21 points he was six of six from the free throw line which is his most free throw attempts. And I think since he's come back. Yeah. yeah <laughs> so yeah, you're right. So, I mean, that's a positive and he's moving in the right direction, but you're right. Like the inconsistencies have been uh, a little more drastic than they have been in the past with Kemba. And it's, it's tough. I mean, if he starts getting on the line a little bit more and can find a little comfort inside the arc, because that's really where his issues have been. He was four of 20 against Phoenix and those four buckets were three pointers. He's just not scoring inside. And part of that is getting to the free throw line, but You need him to be effective just to make life easier for Tatum and for Brown. And when that doesn't happen, again, it's right back to that trickle-down effect. There's nowhere else for that really to go, for that production to go. And so that's a real problem. I mean, the thing is they're going to have to figure it out because for the time being, he's not playing back-to-back. So you're going to have to go against like Detroit last night. You're going to have to play without him, right? So it's not like you can just rely on Kemba having these great nights and helping ease the load off the top of the roster, because there's going to be probably one game a week where you're not going to play with him. So, so that's going to be something they're going to have to adjust to. And it's worth noting that Pritchard has made that portion of Brad Stevens life tremendously easier um, really on both sides of the ball. Pritchard's been pretty good defensively too. So that's been a huge that, yeah, that's, that's been a huge impact, but I mean, you'd like to see Kemba grab that rhythm as things move forward, but I've, I've said it elsewhere too. It, it really is like, he didn't come back all that long ago and I'm not going to keep defending him again and again and again, but it does take some time to kind of gain that rhythm back. And it's difficult when he's not playing back to backs and he didn't go through training camp. And like, that's, that's really hard. And from a mental perspective, it's probably difficult for him to go back to his old self where he's taking these hard cuts in these hard change of directions and change of pace where, you know, his knee probably still is not 100%. And so that has to be a difficult adjustment too. So in my ideal scenario, in my ideal mind, there's a there's a world where he can slowly work back to his old self in the next month or so.
1: Where's, where's your concern level at here? Because, you know, it's, this is – again, it's a shortened season. You have, you know, a guy that's not going to play in back-to-backs and his rhythm is just completely off. And this team, in order to get – look, this team – you go to the Eastern conference final so many times, like you've got to get over that hump. And, you, and now, you know, with the consistency that Jalen and Jason have shown you, like these two guys are right. Re- guys are ready. They're ready yeah. for that next step, but they can't get there by themselves in this Eastern conference. There are too many good teams. I mean, maybe in the older days of the East from the West, the West is still stacked. I'm not saying it's not, but you know, the East has been weaker notably throughout the years this year. It's not mm-hmm. going to, it's you know, a little bit, a little bit more even because the nets have a full arsenal of Kyrie, Harden and and and, uh, and and KD and you know you have the Sixers the different coach look way different you know you you're gonna need Kemba Walker to be Kemba Walker for you to get past those teams right so where are you at here because I, I, we had Sean Devany on last week and you know we're, we're and we got killed for this and I and I don't really mind it I, I the fact that you all are gonna kill us for it doesn't bother me at all but the, the conversation needs to be had he's like I've called some people around the league and. You know, you couldn't give Kemba Walker away right now with the way he's playing and the way that contract is. So that's, to me, a little concerning because you're, you're counting on him to be a focal point of your offense to help Jason and Jalen, you know, get a little bit of a breather here and there. And if he's not going to do that, this team is nowhere near the team that they need to be to get to the NBA finals. So if, if that's going to be the case, where's your concern level here with Kemba Walker?
0: Yeah, my, my concern level with Walker is probably lower than most people for the okay. time being. That leash, that leash is shortening right. game by game, right? Because that, that inconsistency is still at the forefront. So it's certainly uh, not heading in the right direction, but my concern is definitely lower than most people. Again, for the reasons I mentioned before, I have some confidence that he can kind of regain that consistency and find that rhythm at some point. He It's just – the situation he was thrust into from a health perspective is a really difficult one. And so I don't think it's fair to fully judge where he is right now, as it will be three weeks from now, as it will be five weeks from now. Um, That being said, my concern from a Celtics perspective, kind of with what you said is a little bit higher just because you have two guys playing at an all NBA level, right? You have, you have Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum who are undoubtedly playing all NBA basketball right now. And you need to, as i said before make life easier for them you need to you need to take advantage of that and so that's why the trade talk is out there and that's why the urgency among Celtics fans to get Kemba back to what he's supposed to be is so heightened at the moment and i completely understand that I, yeah you go on twitter and there's plenty of overreactions and people are All freaking out yeah and that's just that's just what twitter is whatever that's fine but i think to expect Kemba to be full boat right away was Uh, a little bit of a of a reach however he he hasn't been good and he's been inconsistent and that's certainly a problem but i i think that the concern with kemba is what it does to the ceiling for the celtics uh from a personal like kemba perspective i think he'll be okay uh but i don't know i mean that in terms of trading kemba like I know there's been a lot of chatter about that, but that contract just is really not, not that tradable. And the I talked about this with Nicole Yang and Tom Westerholm earlier this week. There is a, a lowered trade market for him right now. Like there, was, there were years ago where Kemba has this mammoth contract. Well, he's Kemba. So you're willing to take that on and you're willing to try to find some matching numbers and teams are going to be willing to move forward with that his market is is shrunk at the at the moment just because of his meat and because of his inconsistent play and so that contract is definitely a turnoff for teams whereas in the past teams might have been able to deal with it. So that being said also I don't really think the Celtics are looking to move Kemba. I mean I'm sure there have been discussions maybe in the offseason maybe there will be again because that's just the way front offices work, but I I don't think that's uh really a, an option going forward right now. Yeah.
1: yeah. Quick break from today's show to to remind you guys that BetOnline is our sponsor today's show and the fastest and easiest way to bet on everything sports action and even eSports as well. There's a tab literally on the website. For esports. Wanna get involved in a little bit of that side hustle? By all means go go ahead and do so. Football's over. Unfortunately, shout out to Tom Brady making me some money though. The Super Bowl plus three, easiest bet of my entire life. NBA still going, college basketball still going, and the NHL all in full swing. Masters coming up, the NCAA tournament's coming up, baseball season right around the corner. So get ready for some interesting uh bets that could be had. All at BetOnline.ag. Got some NBA title odds for you. Lakers, of course, the, the heavy favorite now plus two twenty. Hard to argue against them. LeBron James playing. I wouldn't. I mean, at an MVP level, but wouldn't be my MVP choice uh, right now. Nets plus four hundred. If you're betting the Nets, light it on fire. You'll enjoy your money more being lit on fire and the bet on the Nets. There's no way a team that allows 120 a game is going to beat the Lakers in the NBA Finals. Just going to tell you that right now. Clippers plus 600, I think it's a better bet. Bucks plus 700, I'm not buying it until I see booting holes or just something different in the playoffs. Sixers plus 1,100. Jazz, the NBA's best team record-wise, are plus 1,200. The Celtics coming down at plus 1,800. If you're betting the Celtics, you're probably betting they're going to make a move and that Kemba is Kemba's knee gets healthier again and they have four scores that can really go toe-to-toe with anybody, that would be the bet. If you're confident they'll make a nice move, you could maybe dabble on the Celtics plus eighteen hundred, but uh, I would also sprinkle some coin other places just to maybe cover your losses on that one. Bet online even covers awards, TV shows, reality TV, Bachelor, of course. You know, if you want to get on the bachelor gambling, I think you might have a problem. But by all means, go do so. Real time updated odds and props, almost anything you can imagine will be found at BetOnline.ag. They have all the news, scores, and odds. Best place to place your bets, and it's free. To sign up, head to the website or use your mobile device today to sign up and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with that promo code CLNS50. Again, use the promo code CLNS50 at BetOnline.ag to receive your 50% welcome bonus. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Evan Valenti, Chris Granam of Forbes, back here on today's show. We did a little pessimistic stuff off the top just because, you know, look, we're a little reactionary coming off the loss last night at the end of the Detroit Pistons. But I do want to flip this to a very positive direction, Chris, because one of the things I've been super excited about, really happy about the last couple of games, is point Jason Tatum. Because I don't know if anybody's noticed, it's fun to watch when he has the ball in his hands because he can do a whole lot with it. 27 assists in the last four games, seven a game, and that span only four turnovers total in those four games. And as I watched it, I thought, again, I go back to the Raptors game as sort of a crutch. And I, you know, look, we're, we're talking about, you know, not a ton of games already this season, but I go back to that Raptors game and I looked at the way that floor was spread out when you had Kemba Tatum, Brown, O'Jale and Tice on the floor at the same time with Tatum having the ball in his hands. You see how deadly this offense can be because you have five guys spread out. You can run four around one or five out entirely if you want to. But the floor is spaced, and it's really great because you have two guys, maybe two and a half of Kemba, that can beat you down off the dribble one-on-one regardless. So you got to shade extra attention that way. So it, it allows you to get wide open three-pointers for uh, a, a career-high night for Shemi Ojaleh. Daniel Tice has been shooting the ball really well lately. You can allow guys like Brown, Tatum, and and, and Kemba to work a little bit more off the ball. If Tatum's at the ball, since obviously Kemba and Brown can work a little more off the ball. And if you have Kemba, you know, locked in as an off-ball shooter, Chris, life is great. So, in my estimation here, I would say the best version of the Celtics in 2021 has Jason Tatum playing point forward the rest of the way. What say you?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's certainly a nice option to go to if you're Brad Stevens. You can have him as the primary ball handler for various stints just because, one, it shakes things up, and if you can have, like you said, Kemba operating as a you know solid off-ball shooter, that opens up the world for the Celtics' offense. But more than anything, I think it opens up things for Jason Tatum's offensive game because go back a year ago, maybe a little more, he's this I'm going to break you down off the dribble and I'm going to get to the cup and – defenses know that there wasn't a whole lot of uh what I want to say versatility to his offensive game he was a bit one-dimensional as a lot of young guys are he was extremely good at that one dimension much better than most guys uh so that helped but I think from a defensive perspective it makes the Celtics so much tougher to guard when he's able to do this and he's able to work you off the dribble and it's interesting because that Raptors game is a prime example of what happens when the supporting cast is hitting those open shots and they're taking advantage of those nice Tatum looks because he was doing that a decent amount on the West coast trip and earlier in the season, but you get these cold stints from guys like Ojale guys like Pritchard, whatever, where they're not hitting and you don't see the D de- you don't see the assists in the box score. And so people don't really pay attention to it as much. He's been really good off the dribble as that playmaker this season, much better than he has in years past. And that is a huge positive because, like you said, if, if Kemba isn't – well, one, if he's not playing in a back-to-back, and two, if he's not playing as well as you would hope, then you kind of lose that solid primary ball handling option. And so the fact that you can now turn to Tatum and even turn to Jalen Brown right. because he's, he's shown the ability more so than ever in his career this year to you know kind of run, pick, and rolls and, and act as that ball handler too, which was – if I told you that a couple years ago, you no, would have laugh. laughed at me. You, you told me like, last
1: year. Hey, right. Chris, I would have been like, no. I literally was on a podcast this year, and somebody was like, Yeah, I, you know, Brown's going to average, you know, five assists a game some year. And I, and I looked at him. I was like,
0: You're Right. You think they're crazy? Absolutely yeah.
1: no way Jalen Brown's going to average five assists a, year, a game at yeah. any point in his career. And here we are, and he's averaging about four games. So I look like a complete idiot. At this point. No, so
0: I mean. Have, but you can really guess that,
1: yeah. Yeah, it's those two guys, if if you can run the offense through them, again, you make Kemba's life a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when he doesn't play, you still have those options. And it's important for Tatum as he takes the next step into superstar, which we all think he's going to get – I mean, is he there already? We don't know yet. He's this, like, high-end star right now. That superstar level is a guy that can really create for others – um, you know, throughout the rest of the game, and and find you know pick the spots a little bit differently, but you know the the point Tatum stuff, I just look at the way the floor spread out, and and I look at like where everybody's standing in their own and and you know, with Tice, he want to run a one five or three five pick and roll with Tice, just the floor is so more much more spread out It makes the help defense just really, you know, c- commit to something. Mm-hmm. And as Jason Tatum learns how to react to those commitments, why it's going to get a lot easier for that Celtics offense. And I just, I looked at that and said, that's the way, that's the way they have to play at the end of games. When the, when things get, you know, tight and, and physical and, you know, every possession matters a little bit more, that's the offense I want to see. At the end of games, because it seems like that gives them the most opportunities for guys one through five all the way around the floor.
0: Now, think about how much better and I keep going back to it, but think about how much better that floor spacing will be if you get another wing threat. Right. Right. And Romeo Langford will be a huge addition when he ultimately comes back. But in my mind, he's more of an addition on the defensive side of the ball. That's what he showed in his rookie season. More than anything else is that he can in his second year, like he can contribute on that end and his offensive game is still coming along a little bit, if you can get a shooting threat on the wing, it helps that spacing so much because it. Jason Tatum is doing a lot of this primary ball handling and a lot of this distributing with relatively limited floor spacing. Like That's a really difficult thing to do, but he's so good off the dribble that he can make it work much more than a lot of other guys. And so that will become so much easier for him if they're able to get you know, say they get two mid level guys. I don't know. They go get Garrett Temple or someone who's on the wing who might not be the flashiest guy, but he helps that floor spacing and the defense has to pay attention to him a little bit more because right now they can shade onto Tatum even when he has the ball so much from a so much easier perspective. I mean, it's it's tough. So I think that would help a lot. But bottom line is it's opened up things for the Celtics offense to another level, and Jalen Brown as well as a primary ball handler. So yeah. that as I totally agree. That's been a huge right spot.
1: I, I love the fact that they can give the ball – like let's say, you know, Tatum's on one side of the floor, you know, shading more towards the right and Brown's mm-hmm. more on the left. And he starts to attack the basket, and you have Brown's defender shift over. Well, that – the one thing I love about Jalen Brown, and I'll make this relatively quick, is I love that he just – if he sees a guy backpedaling, he just goes right at him. Yeah, and you see it a lot in transition where, where and where I'm like, oh no, kick it out. Jalen just keeps going mm-hmm. and finds a way to control his body to get square to the basket and lay it in with either hand. And I'm like, you know what? Jeez, you know that that's a play that you don't see early on because guys aren't strong enough yet. But you looked at Jalen's body as as a you know a rookie in the league, and you're like, mm-hmm. that guy's when he, when he puts muscle on, he's gonna be a problem because. Yeah. He's already physically, you know, gifted at, at you know such a young age. Here he, are, he is at age twenty four, and now guys are just bouncing off him. And he, when he, once he gets hip to hip with someone, you're he, you're done. You're dead mm-hmm. because your back is facing the basket, and he can run he can run forwards a lot faster than you can backpedal. So once he gets hit to hit to somebody, see you later. Bye. Forget about it. And then he has the wherewithal now that if he gets by the first level of defense, he has a help defender, come at him. He can locate the open guy. And then all of a sudden the ball starts swinging around or that, that person takes a jump. He never used face.
0: to be able to do, he never no. used to be able to do that.
1: But you know, you've been, you've been tipped on around this subject and I didn't really have this plan until later on the podcast, but screw, it, let's just do it. Now the trade deadlines coming up in about a month ish. Right. Yep. And, Boston is got that giant TPE. They have all, also have some smaller TPEs um, at their disposal. The smaller one I, I mentioned first, I think it's the canter one. Um, mm-hmm. That's for roughly like four ish, five ish million because the sexy name now on the Twitter free you know, trade market for all Twitter fans out there is John Collins of the Atlanta Hawks. And I look, if you don't follow Ryan Bernadone on on Twitter already, you should. Folks, just do it. He's very smart, especially with cap stuff. There are cap complications of trading for John Collins. It might not be now, but further down on the road, you get to say bye to some people, which would be really tough. Um, but the John Collins thing, like, I'm all for the addition, but the fact that you'd have to say bye to guys down the road makes this a much tougher acquisition. And plus, I, frankly, Chris, I don't think Boston has – the, the players it would take to, to get a guy like that, in my opinion, you know?
0: you know, I, I don't, I mean, yeah, it's a nice, it's a nice prospect to think about them getting John Collins. I mean, sure. He'd be a terrific, he'd be a terrific addition to that front court. I mean, he's a tremendous player, but there are, like danger cart was saying, like, there's just not a whole, you're, you're tightened from a salary cap standpoint, moving forward with him. Right. So he's going to require a lot of money moving forward. And I don't know if that's the direction the Celtics are looking to go. If they can, if they can work it out and, and they're willing to go into the, into the tax a little bit more down the line, like sure, it's an option, but I just don't, I don't think that's as likely as some of the three and D guys that are out there. Some of the um just some of the wings that we've talked about in the past, you know uh, obviously Harrison Barnes has been talked about a ton, but yeah, you wrote walk-
1: an article on, on Forbes about this, about yeah. like the top guys in, you know, the the, the TPE possible realm here. You right. got Harrison Bard, Stad Young, um Larry Nance Jr. is on that list as well. Do you got you know, you've advocated, I think, for Barnes in the past. Do you think yeah. that's the perfect
0: guy? I do think he's the perfect guy, but I don't think he's gonna be available. So that which is a major caveat, right? So I from a fit perspective, like he is what you need. And I think if he's got a solid contract where you're not going to like PJ Tucker is a short-term fix, right? He's gone after this season, unless you want to resign 35 year old PJ Tucker, which I don't know if that's what they're looking to do. That's a fix where, you know, by post all-star break, Hey, Neesmith, he's not going to contribute this year. And Romeo Langford, he's going to be limited this year. So we need a short-term fix at the wing and hopefully we can rely on Neesmith and Langford next year. So then you go after a guy like Tucker, Harrison Barnes is a guy who could, honestly start against certain teams on this team and he's under contract moving forward. And it's not a crazy contract. It's decreasing in value moving forward. The only problem is Monty can is not going to want to give him up if they keep winning, right? They're currently 12 and 13. They're 10th in the Western conference and the Kings are, you know, there's, I I saw, I think it was, I don't know. It might've been a report from the athletic, but there, it's not out of the realm of possibility that if the Kings continue winning and they stay toward a playing spot, not out of the realm of possibility that they're buyers at the deadline, right? So that could really go in any direction. It could, if say they lose five, six in a row here, then they could ideally become sellers. And the Celtics, I would think have to really go hard at Harrison Barnes. Cause I think he is the perfect candidate. But again, even if they do lose a couple games, are they willing to part with a guy who's been so central to their success right now? He pairs really nicely with the Aaron Fox and Tyrese Halliburton. So I don't really think that's as realistic a possibility as say a Thad Young with the Chicago Bulls, who I think just provides another really nice threat off the bench, because that's what the Celtics need, right? They need depth of any sort at this point. And Thad Young isn't a crazy expensive option. He's a vet who knows how to kind of fill a role. He's come off the bench in his career. He started in his career. He's, he's been relatively versatile on both sides of the ball and he's a good defender. And so I do think those sort of options probably excluding Barnes uh, you know, those are probably more realistic than the John Collins conversation. I'm sure the Celtics will look into it. I mean, yeah. God, you know, Danny looks into just about everything, but um, I, I don't know. Cap implications down the line, like you mentioned, seem to hinder the chances at John Collins, in my opinion.
1: Yeah. I'll just, I'll, before we keep going here, I'll read uh, danger car. Ryan Bernardoni, his his particular yeah. riff on this. And again, I, he's, there are a lot of really great cap guys out there, Ryan. No, nah, he's
0: really, really smart. Near
1: the top of him. And I'll just read yeah. what he said. Quote, if the C's trade for John Collins, are either committing to signing him for a ton of money or hoping to recoup uh, one pick in the sign-in trade after renting him for the playoffs. If you sign him long-term, you're going to have to move Kemba in the season and might lose Smart after next year. And I'm just going to leave it there because the thought of losing Smart at all bothers me. Um, yeah. You know, he's just the kind of the lifeblood of this team, and he's a guy that – again impacts winning so if you're if you're going to trade for john collins you know be ready to potentially say bye to Marcus smart the, yeah. the king's right and
0: rides right like this yeah, is a guy he, who's this is a guy who turned down a 90 million dollar extension this you're like right. he, you're you're gonna to have to pay him a lot of money so yeah,
1: he wants a max deal he right 100 yeah, max deal and to be honest with you he's pretty good so yeah you know yeah. especially in you know a, a world of free agents that you know it might not be you know, some guys might get snagged up and then all that, all of a sudden there's a bunch of money out there, but for not a lot of guys like, you know, signing, you know, Jalen Brown to the contract they did when they did was amazing because there was so much money available, 120 yeah. million for Gordon Hayward, which was worth it by the way. I was yeah. wrong about that. Um, uh, he's been unbelievable in Charlotte, but that kind of money for Gordon Hayward would have been there for Jalen Brown. That's just, that's just my point. Mm-hmm. Um, you have the, the Harrison Barnes thing is so infuriating because like, Look, the Kings, you're not going to win anything. Like, you're you're in 10th place. And this is – I get frustrated because this is a year where if you want to tank and bottom out, this is the year to tank and bottom out. There are so many good guys that are going to be available in the lottery this year. You can name a whole bunch of them. And Everybody's top five is much different. And even after the five, there's a bunch of guys like six through ten that could be really good impact players. Like, you don't have to get – uh, you know, Cade Cunningham or Evan Mobley or Jalen Suggs or Jonathan Kaminga, who played really well yesterday. I mean, there are so many guys that can have a significant impact on your on your team that are much better for your cap going forward, et cetera, et cetera. I, mm-hmm. you know, the Kings thing will continue to bother me, but they, you know, look, I don't run the Kings, so it's not my, not my thing. My question for you is, would you would you rather overpay to get hair? Like, let's say like, you have two deals on the table ones for Thad Young or whatever your favorite like second prospect or second trade target is and Harrison Barnes and you know the king's like yeah we're we're willing to move Harrison Barnes but you gotta give us a little something extra would you be willing to go that extra mile to get Harrison Barnes versus Thad Young or Larry Nance who I like quite a bit or you know other you know ex-player here guy
0: yeah I I would I would give up a young player and some draft capital for Harrison Barnes if that is an option who again who knows if that'll be an option but I certainly would comes back to what we were saying earlier. You have two players playing at an all NBA level right now, right? right? Right. You need to take advantage of that. And you can't just sit by and kind of let, you know, I like the idea of giving up a young player and some draft capital for Barnes significantly more than going and getting, for example, two mid-level guys. Like, I just think that's far more appealing. And I think the market for some of the guys, the Celtics, should have had interest in has shrunk a little bit because of injuries. You have Aaron Gordon who went down with a nasty ankle sprain. He would have been another really nice target. Again, that's someone who you probably got to throw some significant draft capital and a young player at. So again, asking price there, very high. Larry Nance jr. Another name who the Cavs might not even be looking to part with because they have guys further up their trade totem pole that they need to get rid of before 28 year old Larry Nance. But again, his market is kind of dwindled now because just had surgery on his finger and he's out six weeks. So the market has shrunk a little bit. And I think Barnes has continued to be the ideal option. If the Kings are willing to listen, which still remains a very important and valid question, then I think the Celtics should be willing to part with a young guy and part with some draft capital because you have to take advantage of their current situation and, make life easier for the way Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum have played, which is incredible. Right.
1: I want to finish up here. Uh, even though it wasn't quite the order I wanted to go in, I do want to take some time to just throw some praise at Shemmy's way and at Grant Williams's way, because those mm-hmm. two guys have been playing out of their mind, Shemley, especially. Yeah. And, you know, he goes down to the injury last night, obviously because that's the way the season's gone <laughs> so far, but coming off a, a career high 24 against Toronto, the shot looks I mean, he had a weird, and people pointed it out he had a weird stretch where he wasn't. He didn't look like he was finishing the mm-hmm. way he normally does. Like he has a really nice, strong, like set base when he finishes, and he holds that extension. It didn't. It seemed like he was rushing a little bit, but now he's come back to his his what I think older form. He's just just hitting just hitting shots left and right, and you know it, it shows the value of that PJ Tucker type, a guy that you can stick in yeah. the corner to keep the defense sucked into that corner. And as people move away to kind of crowd the paint, having a knockdown shooter in the corner like that is so valuable. You know, if Shemi can prove that he can do that at a consistent level, then the need for a P.J. Tucker type of guy is gone. Because essentially what you're getting is, you know, maybe not as versatile PJ Tucker, but doesn't cost as much, uh, it's on your books, you know, potentially long-term because I think Shemmy's contracts coming up very shortly. I think they, they, they guaranteed his spot this year. I think he's a free agent next year. Am I right on that? Mm-hmm. I think so. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, just the value of having a guy like that. And you don't need 20 from him. You know, if they can get between him and Tice 20 a game, you know, then you're, again, you 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 have a much more potent offense that spreads the floor and, and Shemi, you know, has gone from, you know, a second round pick who we all loved because he was he had the NBA body right away and looked like he could defend. And you know, he did a great job covering Giannis early in his years. As Giannis has gotten stronger, that's gotten a little more difficult to do. Yeah, you know, yeah. no 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 fault on Shemmys, but he's been out of his mind lately. Grant Williams, after what was he, 0 for twenty, whatever, his first twenty threes in the league. He's now up to, you know, forty what what I ever Forty He's 52 from three in his last 10 games and 44% on the year. Um, Those two guys, again, proving that you don't totally need a PJ Tucker if these guys are going to give you that.
0: Right. And I think from the Celtics perspective, you in hitting that trade market, you would just be hoping for an additional guy, right? Because you're going to get games, not a whole lot, but you're going to get games like the Toronto game where – Shemi can't miss. And no, you're not expecting him in those good games to go six of eight from three every right. time. That's just not going to happen. But you can get him hitting a couple threes and hitting, you know, a couple, couple shots inside the arc where it just opens things up and makes life a little bit easier when that bench unit is out there. And Grant is the same way. Grant goes through spurts where he'll play 25 minutes and then he'll play nine minutes another game. He's just kind of all over the place, but he's become increasingly reliant. From deep, and his defense has been so so good. I mean, that West Coast stretch, he played yeah. some significant minutes, and he was really good shooting from three. So, like you said, that makes life a whole lot easier, and that's been a huge development. So, while all of us critique the Celtics depth chart and critique the wing depth, it is important, and I'm glad you brought it up to note. Hey, there's been some significant improvements in the offensive games of Shemiole and Grant Williams, and and that's a huge huge burst and those two guys you already know like the versatility on the defensive end and the skill sets on the defensive end are there. So you know Brad is willing to play them significant time just because they can hold their own. So yeah, that's that's been a huge plus.
1: And what's great is like with all these injuries, you know, Shemmy's getting forced into the starting lineup here, right? Yep. And it's you know, you go from a bench player who barely had a fight to get, you know, playing time until very very recently like this season, you know, to have to come in you know, and start with this group and, and knock down shots is great for his confidence. and they're going to – look folks, they're going to need probably both of Shemmy and Grant as we yeah. get in the playoffs here. Oh, they yeah. need both those guys to play at a high level. And if those guys can find some rhythm and get comfortable and, and you know as you get closer and closer to the playoffs, start to become more reliable for the Celtics. This is only going to be good, a good thing for Boston. Again, we talk you – I know, mentioned a million times adding a Harrison Barnes type, right? But then as you push that depth down and you bring, you start bringing those guys off the bench, life's a lot better for you. If you're bringing two guys off the bench that are shooting 40% from three and then you have Peyton Pritchard as a third guy shooting 40% from three, you become a totally different team. and That's what mm-hmm. something that makes the Utah Jazz very difficult to guard. I mean, we all yeah. watched it happen they have how many guys that shoot 40% from three it feels like all of them do. I was going to
0: say, it feels like 14. It feels like they're their entire right. roster. Yeah.
1: Every guy, but Gobert shoots like 38% from three. And, and, and as you watch that team and how the ball moves and how they find open shooters, you, know, you, you look at that, and you say, maybe we gotta, we gotta find a way to emulate that a little bit if we can And Boston by getting these two guys, some playing time with that starting unit is only going to help going forward and watching Shemi. Do his thing has been I again. Mean, the the game against Toronto was like an otherworldly experience because it was like you know, you looked at halftime and you're and you look at the box score <laughs> and you're like, Oh yeah, Jalen and Jason have been uh, moving the ball around pretty well, but holy cow, uh, the league scores Shimmy Osley and Peyton Pritchard's right by that's not how you draw it up. But that's the kind of stuff you're gonna need because Jason and Jalen, as good as they've been, they can't do it all by themselves.
0: Yeah, you just have to rely on on your core and you have to rely on your supporting cast. That's just what you need to win. I mean, you look at any championship team, that's what you need. And it, like we were saying, I mean, Tatum and Brown's ability to act as distributors, like that makes it even more important that those guys can hit their open shots now moving forward. But I'm really, I really am happy that shemmy has been able to kind of come into his own here a little bit because everyone knows this, but he works unbelievably hard and he's just kind of kept his head down and he's had a lot of ups and downs in his, in his tenure with the Celtics. And so I think it's pretty commendable that he's been able to keep his head down and just work his tail off. And now he's certainly um, seeing dividends from that. So I'm happy for him because Shemi's just a really good guy too, yes. um, which, is, which is nice to see. But yeah, huge help. Him and Grant are a major, major plus moving forward.
1: You got anything coming up, uh, you know, working on for Forbes that you want to tease here?
0: Uh, just a, probably a whole lot of trade talk and increasing draft talk as we move forward. I'm under the, uh, I'm under the the camp that the Celtics should consider trading their first rounder this year, just because of the lack of draft spots and, uh, and probably again, taking advantage of those two all NBA guys they got on their roster. So some draft talk in the future as well, because I'm, uh, obsessed with the NBA draft
1: and, and more and just more paint and pressure fluff pieces you oh never man get too many you can home.
0: always always count on me and it would have been 10 times worse if they had drafted Sadiq Bay so you should consider yourself uh grateful that that wasn't the case
1: well no I think they, I think they should have drafted Sadiq Bay because <laughs> it would have been again I'm not trying to pile on Neesmith here you know seems like a good kid but like Sadiq Bay right now you know you'd have another rotation piece and And life's a little different, and in in, you know trading for somebody with a city. Look, I'm Pritchard is off the table of any discussion I'm having with (laughs) anybody about trades. I think I think
0: Celtics fans for the most part are right on board with you. Yeah,
1: I'm I'm completely no way. There's absolutely no way I'm trading Pritchard. I'll I'll leave you with this one though: is Rob Williams on the table?
0: Ah, yeah, that is always the question, right? Um, Well, it depends on what you're getting, but. I would say he's certainly on the table in discussions and various discussions. Yeah. Um, but it's hard. Like is Tristan Thompson on the table? Like what kind of value does he have now that he's tradable and you could move that contract, which could maybe make things a little bit easier. That's The like,
1: reason why he's available is because that contract is the right yeah, number. That's, right? That's the perfect number. Yeah. This is the thing that we've talked about for years with the Celtics is they don't have many contracts at that number. Yeah. And that is, that makes life like, as people want to talk about trading for Nikola Vucevic, right? It's yeah. impossible unless you yeah. add Tristan Thompson yeah. to make the salary work out. So yeah. I and I think Tristan's been playing well, right? I think him and Tice now that they're not playing at the same time and they've been able to kind of find their own rhythm a little bit. Mm-hmm. They're, I I've enjoyed the Tristan Thompson experience lately. The problem with Thompson is that number is the exact number you're looking yeah. for when you're looking to find tradable contracts and it was and smarts is the same way but like you have to probably smart from my cold dead hands before you get him off the celtics right yeah so yeah. you know it there are there are casualties here I, I mentioned rob only because you know there is some maybe untapped potential with rob but definitely yeah. you know and, and, and again i love the guy to death and i love watching him play and he does like Seven things a game where you're like, holy cow! I can't believe you did that. And then he does seven other things a game where you're like, I can't believe you did that. Like, what <laughs> are you doing? But you know, if if it's for a significant upgrade, I, I would be willing to do it, and it, yeah. it would hurt a lot because you know we've all invested so much in the time lord. But I mean, but, I think um, you do
0: have to you do have to at least look into that yeah. market, at least tap that market a little bit, just because he has more trade value than a lot of the other pieces on the Celtics roster. Yeah. But I do still think. Like you said, there's a ton of untapped potential there. And I think he's made some really nice developments in his first couple of years. You just hope that those next steps start to move forward. But, yeah, who knows? I mean, it'll be interesting to see the way they approach this deadline in late yeah, March.
1: Yeah. Chris Granam of Forbes, formerly of CLNS. Good to see you, buddy. Thanks for joining us here on Celtics Speed. brought to you by
0: BetOnline.ag. that
1: promo code CLNS50. Gets you a 50% bonus on your first deposit when you sign up and sign up is for free. Adam should be joining me next week for all of you out there. Hope you have a great Valentine's day. Uh, enjoy your, your weekend here. More Celtics games coming. Of course, more content at CLNS. Make sure you subscribe. Not only to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher and on YouTube, but subscribe to the CLNS media page on YouTube as well. For more content. You have the post game show all the time. Uh, you have other, you know, various shows throughout the week including ours. You get live press conferences from Brad Stevens and the gang. It's a great place to get all your Celtics content again, CLNS media on YouTube. Thank you, Chris. Talk soon, buddy. Thanks, man.